Hey friends, it's Maya back with a new episode of the Gaijin Podcast. So this week's episode is super fun because it is our very first live episode. I know, it's almost like we're a real life podcast produced by Earwolf or something. We're not, but um, at Earwolf, if you would like to produce us, we would not say no and our DMs are open. Thank you. Um, this this episode is a ton of fun. We recorded it this past weekend at our Clexicon panel that was all about celebrating queer Asian Americans in media and fandom. And our conversation was a blast. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, what it means to have queer Asian American and just Asian American creators and voices in the room to help us tell these stories, um, among other things, including the intersection of our identities, celebrating the brilliant Black Lightning and what it's doing to um, knock down anti-Blackness and anti-Asianness in those respective communities. Um, it, it was a blast. And I think uh, I can speak for all of us and say that we were we were really overwhelmed with how many folks came out to the panel. Like, y'all packed it. And, and that was something that was so powerful and so meaningful to see because it wasn't just folks within our community, it was folks from outside of our community that were there and engaged in the conversation. And more than that, they were seeing and hearing us and and to have your experiences and to have your identity uh, be seen as what they are um, and just, you know, accepted and, and is so validating um on a lot on a lot of levels uh so thank you all for coming out and showing your support we loved it and we loved meeting all of you afterwards even more so and getting to chat with you um before we dive into this episode uh just a couple fun housekeeping things up top uh we our enamel pins are still up and live and kicking on the web shop uh and so is the code to get free shipping. So if you buy two or more items on the Gaijin Project's website, uh, then you are eligible for free shipping, which is always a blast. Um, and all of your purchases, they go towards supporting the Gaijin Project and supporting this podcast and allowing us to keep creating and fostering and, and empowering community through queer Asian visibility. Um, so, uh, another bonus, in addition to supporting the queer Asian community, is that any purchase between uh, now and the 18th, so one more day, one day more, um, another day to get your purchases in, if you want to be entered in, a drawing for a Supergirl-signed poster... It's my rewrite of Les Miserables. Um, but yeah, it, between today and tomorrow, um, whatever purchases you make on the Gaijin Project's website will automatically enter you into a drawing to win a signed CW Supergirl um, poster. And it's signed by the entire cast. Uh, it's just a little way for us to celebrate fan culture. And... Um, in terms of events, we are also going to be out at the Asian Fashion Show uh, at SDSU this Friday, hanging out with our pals from Asian American Girl Club. So if you're around in San Diego, come stop by and say hi. Uh, but I believe that's it. I'm looking over at my dog to see if she has any thoughts. She's mostly just sleeping on the couch. 
before this gets way too long of an intro, uh, this panel and this conversation truly um, were a ton of fun to have. And I am so excited for you all to listen to our shenanigans from this weekend. Um, And so without further ado, this is the Gaijin Podcast at Klexicon, celebrating queer Asian Americans in media and fandom, featuring the brilliant panelists, Nicole Espinoza, Andrea Walter, C.B. Lee, Chantal Tui, and Maya Reddy, myself, uh, talking about queer Asian stuff. Let's hit it. Slytherin here. Oh, see, we have some. Who's a Gryffindor? <laughs> Who's a, ra- a Ravenclaw? Well, he's nerds. nerds. Wait, you have to show the picture. Of what? I showed them the photo. So I officially learned that I'm a Ravenclaw. Because of the way we organize our space. Oh, our, our hotel room? It's so perfect. Andrea was very excited. I was really impressed. I put a towel out before I put we my both put the towels out. <laughs> I put my ch- I put my shoes lined up at the front entrance. So all, <laughs> Apparently that makes me a Ravenclaw. Yeah, and then I put my shoes in front of hers in exact it was so beautiful. And then I texted they texted me this picture of their organized room and I sent them back a picture of all my snacks. Yeah. <laughs> but we had snacks too, except they were we had it organized. organized. I had several I had duffel bags filled with snacks. Groups. Wait, Carrie, by what are you? Groups. I'm a Hufflepuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, so apparently you, you have that? food all over well, your room. <laughs> and then this morning ashamed. I was just trying to feed everybody. <laughs> like, I brought you some Chinese donuts. And yeah, thank you. Really and apparently you have a kettle with ramen. Oh, I do. I, I brought a tea kettle so I can make ramen. Welcome to the Asian that group is where <laughs> all we talk about is food. Yeah. <laughs> this panel is about boba and, yeah. and yeah. Griffin, Griffin Gryffindor, not yeah. Gryffindor. What is Harry Potter? Harry Potter. That's <laughs> sorry. What? <laughs> I will take one. Should, should I? Should we read read the books? For should, you? Yeah, should we? we're just gonna do a live reading. Can I be Cho Chang? Wait. Ooh. Oh my God! Cho-chang. I have so more. many, so many opinions. <laughs> but just like with the fact that she exists, I was like, oh, Game. someone I can cosplay. <laughs> what was the name of the Indian character? Parvati. The, there's the two. Parvati. There's twins. twins. The Patels. Yes. The Patels. I liked them. <laughs> One of them wore like a shalvar kameez. And I was like, I, I did that to prom once. 
quite alone. Oh. That's fine. Anyways. <laughs> you know, most Ravenclaws go alone. I went alone. So Ravenclaws are loners? No, I just was making a sad joke. Oh. <laughs> Ravenclaws are independent. Wait, why are you shaking? She's a Gryffindor. Because <laughs> she's complimenting We're in us. coalition. She's, yeah. I'm married to a Ravenclaw. So. Oh. Does that make the best combination? I don't know. I'm, I'm married sure. to a Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I am okay. encouraging it. Why is running this panel? Um, um, is we'll, allow for, we'll allow for Asian time. Yeah, we'll allow oh, yeah. for Asian time. Fil- Filipino time? Yeah. It's Vietnamese time, too. Southeast yeah. Asian time. Yeah. Takes. Also, uh, our Hufflepuff just entered the room. If anybody Yay! asks questions, audience participation, we have some Gaijin Project swag to give to you. It was a very anticlimactic statement. But we have things for you. It's like getting graded for participation. Yeah, it's like a gold star. <laughs> Such a Ravenclaw thing to say. Great. <laughs> no, but it's like you're gonna get a swag if you participate. A student. We're looking. For I already told them about the here. t-shirt cannon. There's a t-shirt cannon. The we don't there. have a t-shirt, t-shirt cannon. cannon. No, no, I, I can, I can do it. We can don't do it. have one. It's Andrea. Hey, I could. I'm the t-shirt, t-shirt cannon. cannon. Like a cannon where you just, you know, like, like a, a bazooka. Oh, at yeah. like do you guys game? have a t-shirt cannon? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. It's not in the budget. Not in the budget. No, no. Chantel, you missed it. I'm the cannon. Yes, Drew's the cannon. Oh, so you got a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We're great. We're Thank good? You. Oh, wait. Did you want water? Does anyone we got it. It's a full room. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Asians. All right, let's get started. Um, this is a panel on Hufflepuff. <laughs> how, how they bring us food. <laughs> 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 no, <the> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, this is the Gaijin Project panel uh, presents on queer Asian Americans in media and fandom. Thank you all for coming out. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all the queer Asian fun stuff and representation. But before we get into all of that, panelists, can I ask you to introduce yourselves down the line? Sure. Is there anything else you want to attach to that? Just introductions? Yeah, just in- introductions. Okay, cool. Hi, my name is Nicole. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm a gender and sexuality studies major at the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. I see my folks here. Um, my research interests are the intersections of race, class, um, and labor in fandom spaces. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hi, I'm Chantel. Um, I'm on a show called Black Lightning. I play Yay! Grace Choi. Um, I'm originally from Montreal. I like boba tea. <laughs> and you're like, Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> I like Korean barbecue and I like talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> um, hi, I'm Andrea Walter. I'm a writer, director, and a cinematographer. Um, I'm originally from the Philippines. I'm half English as well. Um, I'm also a Ravenclaw. Uh, <laughs> My next film is coming out. It's on May 10 at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. So if anyone's Woo! in LA, please come Closing out. night film. Closing night film, which is crazy for me. Um, I did also attend UNLV. Oh, did you? Yeah, Vegas. Um, oh. My professor happened to come. I really appreciate Woo! it. Yeah. The film department comes strong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, I like food too. I like boba. 
The name of the film <laughs> is called <laughs> Not Your Psychic. <laughs> um, it's called Empty by Design. Yes, support Empty Des by Design. Yes, it's going to be great. Um, hello, I'm C.B. Lee. Uh, the C stands for Carrie. You can call me that. I am um, the author of a um, queer teen superhero series called The Sidekick Squad. Uh, the first book is called Not Your Sidekick. And it's about a queer uh, Chinese and Vietnamese American girl. And she's bisexual and um, goes on adventures and covers a conspiracy, crushes on um, a girl in her class who also happens to have um, secrets of her own. And they're super superhero shenanigans. And I wrote it um, in part, like the title and everything came from my frustration with um, kind of Asian American characters or queer characters um, kind of always having to be the sidekick or the, play that supporting role. So. Um, all my books are about um, being the hero of your own story. I also like boba. <laughs> what, what kind of boba? Um, and I'm Maya. I'm the founder of the Gaijin Project, um, which is focused on empowering and fostering community through queer Asian visibility, because community comes from seeing ourselves represented in media and then also just kind of out in the world. So for those queer Asians, out there that are just living their best lives. Like, Ooh. thank you, amazing. Um, so, first question. Um, what does it mean to be Asian American or queer Asian American, and how do you guys think that informs, you know, how the two inform each other? Are you going in a row? I mean, go whoever has an answer. Okay. <laughs> or not. I feel like, like <laughs> there's a like super othered for sure. So it's like one thing to um, look for yourself, like folks that look like you in mainstream media, and that's kind of rare. And then to see queer folks that look like you is extra rare, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I think it's one of the challenges of being at that intersection of being Asian American or being mixed or being also queer and like not really seeing within your community that that could be an option. Like I, as a kid growing up, everyone, it was, and, you know, specifically with um, my family and culture that like it was so outside of everyone's like possibility that I didn't even like, like I didn't even really truly understand my sexuality till I was like in my 20s and like had met other people and um, saw more of the world, but within my own culture, it's like, you know, when we think about representation and what we see in books and media and like how little queer content there is, and uh, if there is queer content, it's mostly centered on like, it's not centered on like communities of color or like there's so many different experiences that um, there are like nuances within experiences, but um, I'm hoping that like as more and more creators get into and get the access to tell their own stories that we'll be able to see um, all the different kinds of experiences we can have. Yeah, and I think for me, growing up in Montreal, uh, it, it was e even just being Asian American was it being a little bit of an oddball out. And um, I think being able to find communities of people either through my travels and through living in different countries like we talked about this morning um, was really finding people who are like-minded and being able to find a connection in a community. Um, I think growing up outside of the Western world, um, it was a bit harder because we still don't have equal rights um, 
out over in the Philippines, uh, homosexuality is still looked up as a form of entertainment value. Not that we don't run entertainment, we are the entertainment. So I think that made it very hard to accept who I was, including the fact that I was mixed race, so I couldn't figure out what I was, because um, I never saw anyone who looked like me or act like me, even everyone in my family is much darker skin than me. So I, it's just, I think it was just always feeling like the other, constant, co still constantly. What was that like, I mean, you, you mentioned growing up outside of the West, you know, like outside of the Western world, and I was gonna ask all of you how Western kind of um, ideas or perceptions towards um, Asian femininity and masculinity have impacted your kind of the way that you walk through life or like the way that you have formed a relationship with your identity? <laughs> you know, watching the Western world create um, my identity was really interesting. When growing up in Southeast Asia, anytime a foreigner came up to me, I knew in like 10 minutes they were gonna do the full metal jacket thing. You know, the, the thing, I don't want to say it. <laughs> like, we love you long time thing. Mm. God, you know, just want to smack you. But aside from that, <laughs> um, I don't, <laughs> it's, uh, curbs, um, I don't know. Okay, let someone else take this. <laughs> Anyone else? Sure. Uh, I, so I, I grew up in California, but I also grew up in a very religious Mormon LDS household. So there was a lot of like whiteness um, being pushed on to um, what I should become. Like I should become a housewife, I should marry outside my race, I should calcify like my bloodline, like I should, I should have half white babies. I mean, you're real cute though. <laughs> I mean, you're real cute. But, uh, <laughs> but that was very much like something that was pushed on me. So um, it was very weird trying to balance like loving the brown parts of me and also being surrounded by like colonization. Mm -hmm. it, like it's definitely informs how I navigate the world today. So like trying to reclaim like my brownness and um, so one of my, I think my, my nephew did a, a 23andMe and found that there was like no Spanish blood. And while some people would be like, oh, but it's like, yes, like uh, <laughs> we're indigenous. Like this is great. Um, so, um, and my dad was like, well, let me do that. And I was like, well, the point of him doing that was so that you didn't have to do that. Um, but just, <laughs> yeah, but, but just trying to really love the brown parts of me is, um, it's like a work in progress. Like, just constantly trying to decolonize um, parts of myself. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think for me, growing up in Montreal, again, I never really saw um, Asians in general being represented and so growing up I actually never thought I could be an actor mm. I felt like oh I had to do what my parents would tell me to go be an engineer or doctor not that there's anything wrong with that because I know there are doctors and engineers in the room but like honestly I was like failing math and like not doing I had, to, I had to do Kumon <laughs> oh my god I, do <laughs> I drove by a Kumon the other day and I was like I had PTSD flashbacks yeah. I was like no but actually, in my Kumon classes, I had a friend who was one of the, who was one of the, you know, the people who like checked your grades. So like sometimes he would just like pass me the cheat sheets. So that's how much I like math. 
can I? But can I? you know, yeah. So in general, those were the things that I should have done um, until I did a year in San Francisco and I discovered like, oh, there are Asian filmmakers, there are Asian actors. This is something I I could pursue and potentially not, you know, be homeless doing. <laughs> like I can actually maybe get work. So. I think the Western world it shaped in my home city, you know, definitely created, um, I think, uh, a powerlessness when I was younger, where, and then that drives me to want to create stories that yeah. reflect you know, our, our, our larger society. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what you're, what? oh, I was, it's like, I love what you said about like, the that aspect of going into creative industry where <clears throat> you know my parents were like very confused and also like there bless, bless you there's um a lot of like insecurity in the type of work that we do and so there's you know how do you balance like i want to tell these stories i want to go into this creative industry and um but I also need to like support myself and figure out: Can I make a living? Do this? Is it val? Is it viable that other people want to see it and that I can that I can you know take that risk and go out and do that? And it's been in part like my journey as a writer, and and uh, has been in part about like the LGBTQ readers and the Asian American readers seeing like my book would not have succeeded if the if if people hadn't wanted to read it, and the fact that like people did want to read it and the fact that there's people when we have no we 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 are so thirsty for these stories that like we can for so long we've only had crumbs right and then so every time like a new crumb appears we're like oh yeah we want to support that crumb and then now it's like well i want the whole cake yeah i'm gonna keep baking Guys. cakes we're gonna bake all the cakes yeah. so we can all have cake <laughs> I really like the food analogy. We yes. should keep going. I just wanted to add, add to what you were saying about the, you know, you have to have m not someone from your race date someone who is Caucasian or whatever. I, that, that being someone who was of mixed race, it was the hardest thing I actually never accepted, not just my sexuality, but who I ethnically was. I wasn't Asian enough for the Asians. I wasn't white enough for the whites. And anytime someone asked me about, about my parents, they'd always ask, what's the age gap? And they mm. would say really awful things about my mom because she's not white. It's like, why would your dad be with a Filipino woman? So that not only that made it hard to identify myself as, um, as a Filipino English woman, it was also hard to figure out, like, well, if they're doing it all wrong, then I clearly don't know romance. I have no idea what I'm doing. And on top of that, I don't, like, your parents are always, uh, saying like, oh, you're gonna do film, what's plan B? My parents yeah. still think it's yeah. a fake. I, I yeah. do this for a living, but I still, apparently it, there's, it, I'm still going back to college. Like maybe next year, I don't know. <laughs> um, how, have you ever felt like kind of, this is something that I've struggled with a lot, balancing the like assimilation kind of attitudes that my immigrant parents had, like trying to fit in and then also trying to embrace like my own identity as an Asian American and trying to figure out like what that, like where the balance point is for that. And I was wondering like, have you ever felt in navigating these spaces where you don't always see people who look like you, you felt kind of a leaning into one thing or the other or trying to kind of, you know, as weird as it sounds, kind of 
not associate with Asian Americans so that you can fit in in a weird way? Well, I, I think for me, because I have my Vietnamese identity and then I also have my French Canadian, like I grew up speaking French, French is my mother tongue. Um, I felt like growing up I couldn't quite, I didn't know what the dissonance was uh, of being different and then I discovered labels like, oh, I'm Asian American, oh, I'm French Canadian. And at this point I'm realizing that like where we are as a community is, is in some ways just a new experience. You know, I'm not just Vietnamese, I'm not just French, I like am a melting pot of those things. So I think, am I even answering the question right now? <laughs> What's your favorite boba flavor? <laughs> Who's your favorite character in Les Mis? Wait, no, come on, guys. <laughs> 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 I think he was I, going you are. I was yeah. thinking, no, right? Does are. it make yeah. sense? Yes, it, yeah, it makes you absolute are. sense. Because, you know, there's no, like, oh, um, there's no one aspect that of your identity that informs who you are. You are everything. You are all your experiences, your backgrounds, and, like, your upbringing and everything. But every time, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, to I love what you said too about feeling like, oh, I'm too much of this to be this. And like, people are like, I hate the like the qualifier of like, oh, that's not Asian enough. Or like, yeah. why are you doing this? That's not, oh, that's, you're not, there's like, it, even within the community of like, oh, is, are you, are you, it's, there's like, um, I would love to see our community be like, there's no like litmus test to be, Asian-American and you know whether you know whether you speak the language don't speak the language whether you grew up here whether you immigrated here or you know we have very different there's the diaspora has many yeah. different mm -hmm. ways of expressing yeah. itself and that like you know as a community I love that you know our, our panel is all about like celebrating what we see what we can support mm -hmm. and I love that you're all here and I see so many different faces and it's amazing Overcome with emotion. <laughs> no, that's uh, like <laughs> celebrating that and, and trying to like put ourselves outside of that expectation of what is a good Asian. Yes. What the fuck is a good Asian? Yes. Um, and coming out of those kind of expectations that to be Asian you have to look like you're Eastern Asian or be Eastern Asian and kind of dismantling that in a way that celebrates the entire like 72 countries in Asia. It's a giant ass continent. Um, <laughs> and being able to celebrate that and, and say like, hey, like um, somebody from India can relate to a lot of the same things that somebody from who has Vietnamese heritage has. And there's also a lot of differences. So how do we celebrate those differences and bond over that kind of like shared experience of Asian Americanness? Um, I think is something also that not to speak for all of us, but I think <laughs> we would want to like celebrate that more and keep, you know, s adding validity to your identities of Asian American, you being Asian American, because like you don't have to be like this certain per percentage of X ethnicity or like get an A plus in math to like be a good Asian. Well, that's kind of like that all comes from white supremacy, right? Yeah. And like and colonization and how all of that is designed to pit us against each other mm -hmm. and especially to pit us against other folks of color. Mm -hmm, I think yeah. acknowledging where that comes from is like definitely the starting point. Yeah, absolutely. Is to fuck white supremacy. <laughs>
Yeah. yeah. White supremacy. Yeah, and just it's like comes down to like the model minority stereotype and how yeah. it hurts everybody because when people are like, hey, look at this community, they're succeeding. They're really doing it to like put down other communities, and that's it creates all these negative vibes where people are like, oh yeah, but like what's so bad about having the stereotype about being good at this or being good at that or that you're so you're like excelling in school or whatever, and it kind of puts the expectation that like. Um, that like, oh, this minority is the good one, and therefore we, we like, there's, there's all this like anti-blackness tied into the model minority myth, and like, it's very discriminatory where, you know, like the, there's a. It's <laughs> very classist. Yes. As well, it pits, um, it, it pits us against each other, like poor Asians, and, um, or like uh, Asians of a lower income, and, and um, darker Asians. Darker Asians, there's a lot of colorism, and just like, what your education mm -hmm. is, like who your parents are, like it's, it's just divisive and it's very toxic. That's like one of the things that I love so much about Black Lightning is that it, when you're speaking specifically about anti-blackness in Asian communities, it's like for you and Anissa, like just seeing that image of an Asian, a queer interracial couple yeah. that is celebrating blackness, celebrating Asianness is something that we don't see. And yeah. like, I know for me, like there's so much like internalized anti-blackness just from like how I was raised. And so to be able to see something like that, that's just like, fuck yeah. And like <laughs> continually challenge that anti-blackness and, and find ways to uplift each other. Cause it's like, a, a rising tide raises all boats. Yeah, I think for me, it's more about undoing biases that we have, like in terms of like, yeah, stereotypes of what it means to be Asian or what it means to be a black woman. And that, you know, having a doctor, having a person, you know, it's doing the contrary of mm -hmm. what we would expect for like, or an Asian woman being, Grace being, you know, not at a higher income level or being from a good household, things like that. And I think making just humanity, you know, that the humanity of people, whatever race or, you know, gender you are, that the humanity rises above any kind of labels or, or bias or stereotype that we can have that's all mental, really. Mm -hmm. Like, I think just common humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's something Black Lightning does really well because it's such an amazing show that has like all these great character arcs and that we get to see the characters be like, you know, in the very first scene when we meet Anissa and she's like in bed with her girlfriend at the time and like it's such a human moment where like, oh, hey, like good morning and they're there and it's not like, it's just like, it was such like, well, it's cool. This is a great way to introduce that like this is who she is and it's, it's part of who she is. And, and then, you know, we learn more about her as a, as a, you know, as she goes about her work, her passions, her dreams, who she is as a daughter, as a sister, and then getting to see um, her relationship with Grace, like the, the writing and the show. And their relationship is so cute. Yeah, and it's so good. And I just want to go back on, like, the, the idea of being human is the way I live my life is, like, I'm a person. I'm a human being before I'm Asian American, before I'm an actor, before I'm anything, you know, as a person, you know, I connect with other people. I like food, or I like, you know, whatever it <laughs> yeah. is. Like our our shared humanity, I think is a, for me is a foundation before. Absolutely, other uh, things. 
for all of you, question for the panel. Um, what was like the first piece of media that you saw yourself in or parts of yourself in growing up? Start from CB. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. Sailor Moon? <laughs> yeah, well, um, when I was a kid, I had like Power Rangers and you have the, yeah, so there was like three Asian Americans you could be on television. You could be a Power Ranger, you could be, or not necessarily, but kind of like in popular, popular media, but you could be a Power Ranger, you'd be in the Babysitter's Club, you'd be um, an ice skater or a reporter. And so those like, but those were like the most visible kind of characters and people. And I love that like they existed, but, um, and like as far as like, queer content and queer Asian American content. I think it was, um, I read Melinda Lowe's Ash, and then her, um, she also has a sci-fi series that starts with adaptation, and I saw the word bisexual printed on the page, and she also has like a Asian American main character, and um, it's, a, it's a fun sci-fi series, and they're aliens and shenanigans. Um, but it's, it was one of the things where I was like, oh, I didn't see it like on the page until then, and I, it was, Fairly, like it was fairly recently, and um, when I think about like, yes, I've seen like Asian characters, I've seen gay characters, I've seen, um, and I don't think I've ever seen. I'm Chinese and Vietnamese. Um, there was a point when I was like, oh, am I, I'm going to see this specific mix of who I am, and would that that would be cool. Um, and then I have a friend who was like, oh no, that's never going to happen. You're going to have to do it. And then, um, and it's part of it, it's such a you know, the, the whole, like, when did you first see it? And sometimes I'm like, have I, am I seeing it yet? And I hope mm -hmm. to see it more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I, I ever really see myself personally on screen. I, I will relate to like a Caucasian girl or Asian girl, but um, weirdly enough, when I was in middle school or high school, there, there was that Smallville show. Do you guys yes. remember that? And the, the lead girl was Hapa. Kristen, Kristen Cook. Yeah, and when I saw that, my sister and I were like, what? We were so <laughs> confused. So it's not necessarily I saw myself, I saw someone who looked like me on screen for the first time and everyone was watching the show. I thought, holy fuck, there's another one in, enter <laughs> in entertainment. I don't care whatever sh else she does, I'm gonna watch every episode. This thing's corny and cheesy, I'm gonna watch it. And then when she wasn't on the show anymore, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but, um, thank you. Um, as far as sexuality, I don't know. I still don't really think I see it. You know, I, I, like queer char characters still mostly die on screen. We were talking about that last night. Um, actually, reading your book was highly entertaining to see that. But I still don't really think I see it enough. Enough. I see it. it it's coming, but it's not enough. Yeah, I think Smallville, too, for me. Yeah. Might have been mm -hmm. the first representation. And I think I gravitated towards watching foreign films with, you know, people of color and, and not sticking with, like, the normal blockbusters or, like, big films at the time. And I think I still gravitate towards foreign films for that reason because Asians actually speak in those films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they They're not just your Asian sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
opinion? No, I agree. I, want, I grew up watching mostly Miyazaki animes instead of Disney because I was able to relate to the girls in those more than the ones in the Disney films until Mulan. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree with you. I watch more foreign films, but that might have just been access growing up outside of America. You mentioned Mulan. Um, I didn't get into Mulan as a child, I, but so the f I didn't want to watch it as a child. For I don't know why. I'll have to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> um, but watching it as an adult, like I cried <laughs> like a baby. I mean, I am a Pisces, so I do cry a lot. But I cried so much because I very much identified with like shaming my family. Hmm. <laughs> um, and like, and my queerness being a, a sense of shame in my family was like something that I definitely um, identified with. But in the end, it's like, um, like what, whatever. Like I, I, I still see like so my relationship with my parents is, is kind of weird, but um, they're still proud of me. They don't accept all parts of me. Specific, like my queerness is is a topic of contestation, but um, I think that I find strength in Mulan in, um, I think I am like my ancestors' wildest dreams. Like just being here and being super queer looking yes. and like being in academia and trying to brown up academia, um, like I, I do find strength in Mulan and, and Korra, for mm. sure. But like yeah. I found those things as an adult. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I'm just thinking about all the animation but like even watching Moana or the spider I cried so much in Moana Spider-Verse I saw part of our people the into the Spider-Verse no right? Moana but also also I cried into the Spider-Verse yeah no like Filipinos also made that watching Coco like all Filipinos of these films like it gets a rise out of me yeah. I'm like yeah like I, I just feel excited and like want to champion that and so even if it's not like specifically Asian that it's like a whole film with like, you know, a Latino or a, or black lead, like it excites me. I think it's because we're all cousins of the same colonizer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's very true. I love that we've had so much more, and especially like just speaking of celebrating in media and fandom, like in the last few years, I think we've seen just the rise where it's become where hey, we, we are gonna tell our own stories, we are gonna create futures where we see ourselves. We are gonna tell, you know, have these like, um, we can be crazy rich, we can be, we can be, we can, that kind of, we can have rom-coms, we can have. Where we're the lead. Yeah, yeah. And we, and we get the girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love, you know, it comes back to like, you know, decolonizing our media and working hard to, and it comes from, I, as a creator, it's hard because like when you're, you're watching hard, you're like, where's the thing I wanna watch? I wanna watch this. But coming from the creating side, it's like, it's so hard to like get some, you know, where we have so many people to say, like they have to say yes. Mm -hmm. And so we're out there, we're trying. So there's some, and there's so many creators here at Clexicon that I love that we're all here, that we can like meet each other, we can see each other in Artist Alley and support each other. That's really powerful. So, for you three who are actively representing and creating this content that like we are all talking about wanting to see more, um, what what has that been like? Like I, I can imagine there's, it 
Carrie, you and I have talked about how like there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and expectations. But what has like your experiences not seeing yourself? Um, how has that impacted the way in which you're creating or representing? I feel like it fuels me, like whether it's out of like spite or like anger or like <laughs> um, that, like someone's like, oh no, that might that will never exist, that will never sell. Well, no, no. Like there's a point in like publishing where people are like, oh no, maybe some gay boys, yeah, but like maybe, but like the the market for girls it doesn't exist, and then like that's such a fallacy where people are like, look, if you have if you publish the book, people are gonna buy it, people want to read it, people want the content. And for these stories, I just, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm not like very literary. I just want like a really fun, cheesy story where there's like adventure and robots and shenanigans. And everyone in, in my books are queer, all the protagonists, and I didn't want the stories to be about like their pain for the sake of pain. I didn't want them to exist to teach someone else a lesson about empathy. I wanted them to be, to have their own like, their own arc and their own journeys and love and whether it's like just saving the world or like your biggest problem is like how do I tell my crush how I feel. Uh, so that's, that's what I really wanted to center for my work. So that's all of those like, I didn't get to see myself. I, I wrote my books for like 16 year old me and I hope that like people can see themselves and enjoy that like, hey, you, you get to have a story. You can get, get to have a hero and kick butt and drive fast cars and robots. <laughs> I Shenanigans. It's yeah, my favorite word. <laughs> I think. For, I think for me, I've, I've always had this voice in my head that is from my childhood, growing up in Montreal, where it's like, oh no, you you'll never, you could never be an Asian superhero, bisexual super. That just doesn't exist, and that's never gonna happen. Or oh, you can never, you'll never do like a Broadway play because there's no roles for Asians. So, and I am constantly confronted with those negative thoughts and then having opportunities that push against th those thoughts and then realizing that, oh, it's just like a mental barrier. So that's something I'm experiencing with my acting. And then the other side is like, you know, I got, I got book options for, you know, a, a Vietnamese uh, story that has, you know, a, a half, half Asian, a hapa, yeah. a hapa. Um, and it's an LGBT story, and then it's also um, about identity. So it's being able to work through the fears and work through the negativity to be able to, you know, create what you what you believe in. I just I was feeling I'm meandering. No, you're not meandering. <laughs> um, on on my side, I feel like. I feel I have a huge sense of obligation for my community, being in the position where I can hire both cast and crew and create the stories for us. I never used to f have this feeling, and I, it, I spent a decade trying to figure it out. And once I realized, no, you have to take it upon yourself to make these changes, that was when my career started to move forward. Um, I'm not necessarily going to force LGBTQ or female stories or Asian stories or you know, Hapa stories into any of my films. They just happen that way because that's who I am. But just the hardest part of it is our industry. <laughs> I could talk about this forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like what Carrie's saying, there's, not, there's just not a lot of it. And 
I just feel obligated. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I feel I have to do this. I most, I mean, most of my friends are actors, so I feel an obligation to help them. And on the lighter side of it, I want to give someone the feeling I had when I saw Kristen, how do you say her last name? Kristen Crook. I want that feeling, because that was the most exciting moment for me in middle school. Um, when I was in film school, I was opened up to female filmmakers. They showed me people like Ellen Curris and Karen Kurt Kusama, um, and that changed my whole world. And I want someone else to feel that too, and so I feel that obligation as a creator to do the same. Yeah. How has um, Asian August, hashtag Asian August, from last year impacted like the industry, essentially? It changed my world. Literally, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, um, I felt the surge in with our whole community in entertainment, not just film. It was every single thing. They were putting Asians on the map. I was suddenly was getting calls to take meetings. I was meeting more people. I was getting green light for movies. It was all in the span of one thing, just from one movie. One movie being completely successful, which mind boggles me. It took Western Hollywood 25 years to make. Joyla Club was 25 years ago, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians did a lot. Asian August did a lot because we had movies like Searching and Burning coming out. Um, to All the Boys. Oh, To All the Boys. Yeah, Lana Condor's movie. Um, insanity. That's It's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, th- it's funny that like it's that pressure, too. So much was riding upon the shoulders of this one movie. Like, everybody that, like, Wonder Woman had the, the pr- to shoulder all the pressures of being a... a female-led superhero movie. Black Panther had the shoulder of the pressure. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians had the shoulder pressure. And the, f- the sad thing is that Hollywood looks at this and like, oh, well, if it doesn't make money, if it doesn't go well, then, that oh, we tried it once, <laughs> no more. Um, and it's, it's hard because as a community, you have that like, that like, oh, I really want to support it and I hope it's good and I'm terrified. I'm terrified that like what it means, it, it's like we're not, we have the pressure where we're not allowed to fail. Yeah, we're, I mean, not only are Asian parents forcing us not to fail, yeah. <laughs> our... But sometimes that's just like a voice Ooh, in your head. That was my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, no, I, 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 I get you. The, the pressure is incredible for all of us. Um, when I saw that Black Lightning was coming out, I was like, oh my God, Grace Choi is finally in something. I'm so pressured to watch it. Like, I have to constantly watch it Wait, all I the time. I you wanted to watch I it. Do <laughs> I do want to watch it, Shantan. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, but it, it's like with everything, you know, you see, you just want it to succeed. Like, with all of my African-American friends, I went with them to watch Black Panther, and, and then I realized, not, well, everyone's watching it, so we're good on that front. But there's just so much pressure for all of us. We've turned into our tiger moms. <laughs> yeah. About representation. Yes. <laughs> but I think it's important to, as consumers, that we should consume the stuff that represents us. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, we should go out of our way to support uh, folks of color that are in the artist alley, that are making films, that are writing books. Like, we should also do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think the whole yeah. initiative with the Golden Opens for all of these films has been really exciting to see that they're filling out theaters, you know, they're they're taking initiatives to like, you know, buy buy out theaters for the community to go watch these films. And that's I don't think anybody's really been doing that until like this year in yeah. that way. 
But it's nice. It brings our whole community together. Like I know my roommate and I, we, when we bought out a theater for Crazy Rich Asians, um, it wasn't. It wasn't that we're doing it for anything else aside from hoping that everyone would come and watch the film. That was all we wanted. We wanted people to just watch it. it we weren't. We weren't aiming for anything higher than that. So it was just nice. The Gold Open, the most positive thing is just watching our whole community finally, all these different ethnicities and countries and different diasporas just finally in one weekend coming together. I th that was my favorite part of the entire initiative. And I, I've always felt like the, the cool thing about Crazy Rich Asians was like, absolutely, it's not going to represent every single Asian. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> like, I'm totally fine with that. But it did like open up this door to for us to like represent more and different Asians. Like I really want a Real Housewives of Hyderabad, but that's just me and I want that to happen like tomorrow. Um, but it's really, but like Crazy Rich Asians, it was like, what resonated the most with me was that it was an Asian American story. Like you had Constance's character who was like going through that struggle of like, I'm too American to like really be Asian and yet I'm also too Asian to be American and like, seeing that on screen and like knowing that so many other people were watching it and finally like understanding some of the struggles that I'm going through was like insanely validating. Yeah, and I, and I, I like the aspect that I brought communities together, mm -hmm. different communities. Like I think, I'm pretty sure, maybe someone could Google this again, but like Lena Waithe bought out a theater for yeah. Crazy Rich Asian. And you know, I love that idea of like, Different, different communities coming together. One of, Nick touched on this a little bit um, when they were talking about like celebrating um, other art, like POC artists and queer POC artists. Um, so with the Gaijin Project, one of the things that we're doing is this series called Disorient. Carrie's sporting a t-shirt down there. Um, but the idea behind it, <laughs> uh, the idea behind it is to disrupt the way in which Asians are viewed in the West. So really trying to like decol, like decol, decolonize. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, our identity in Western spaces and, and try to redefine what it means to be Asian American, what it means to be queer Asian American on our own terms. And so I'm, I wonder for all of you, um, what, what do you feel like disorient means to you? Like how do you feel like that um, is something that you're doing on a daily basis or? or uh, you, th you want to see more of through representation or th through the things that you're doing? I mean, I just, I, I think I embody it. <laughs> like, um, just infiltrating heavily white spaces and sh like, that there's an, so high red, whatever, um, like just, like not being in a STEM field and doing uh, liberal arts, being in ethnic studies, I think that that's a way for me to um, to disrupt like that I'm not gonna be a nurse. I mean, I'm grateful for nurses. I'm terrible <laughs> at math and science, um, but yeah, I think that just my being in a space is is disorienting <laughs> for, um, for other folks. Yeah, I, I think you really, said that perfectly in the sense of being an individual and, and living my life, like following my heart and not, you know, what I think the construct of what should, what is a good Asian. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, like 
pushing through fears and my own boundaries because I think a lot of it, you know, gets internalized and like just living with awareness. Um, I think a lot of it I'm just trying to put into my work. Um, most people have never seen Filipino cinema unless you are Filipino and most of the time what you see is, I hate using it, but we call it poverty porn. So a lot of our, a lot of Southeast Asian cinema, especially Filipino cinema, focuses on either uh, drug wars or poverty and it's, and it, there's always that perspective and I'm taking it upon myself not to do that. I'm, at one point I will make a crime movie if I want to or whatever, but I'm, I want to push putting Filipino cinema, like this is a movie about a girl just living her life. Let me have a slice of life movie. I want that. I'm so tired of seeing just our section of the world put into this like niche. You know, I want to see, you know, I'm excited to see Wave the um, Filipino superhero, yeah. Yeah. stuff like that. that. That for me, actively as a creator, I want to push that. It's not just myself existing, but also I, I want to, I just want to see difference with what yeah. we do, you know? I'm, everyone watches uh, Asian films and they go Korean cinema's vengeance cinema. I'm like, no, but there's also other stuff for you. You know, there's Terrace House from Japan, <laughs> it's great. Um, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of movies and films are made about the Vietnam War, uh, specifically about, you know, there's so much of the, the narrative tied with that, especially from a Western perspective, is those war stories are very, they're very prevalent in our culture. And in, from a like Vietnamese American perspective, it's hard too seeing that like, you know, cause it's still very fresh. My parents, that's, that was their life and they left on a boat and there's all this like struggle and trauma tied up in it. and. Um, I really just, you know, I wanted to have a story that was joyful and, di you know, there's, there's aspects of war in it, but it's not like, I don't want the only stories about my people to be about this one war. Um, I think it's important that, you know, that history is there and that exists, but that's not the only thing about myself that I want to see. I don't, and that's really important to me and I, I hate that, like, when, when the first thing people think of, like, you know, our existence is, like, and it comes back to like how is you know the colonization of like even the narratives where yeah. so much of like you know going around we see you know like those wars come back to just like oh yeah that, you know like guys being tough tough being bros in the army and it's this wartime story and there's so many stories about that but it 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 feeds it's so tr it, there's so much hurt that comes with it like the people that were hurt in those stories and in Southeast Asia in general because there's you know. And then we get into like who colonized who and every culture and coming into one another. And um, it's hard when like the, the, the collective narrative is so strong and pervasive about that. And for me, disorient is about like being who you are and getting to be joyful and celebrate like fandomy things or, or fun just, you know, like existing and living your best life. Your point about, well, both you and Andrea's points about like that colonial gaze that like represents Southeast Asia in a very specific poverty porn way, like that's so pervasive and just like how, like how that affects us, how we walk through life and how people look at us. So I know for me, I dated somebody who was um, disappointed to learn that my family in India was like middle class wealthy because she had thought that like in India, we all live in the slums. And like, 
was legitimately disappointed and like then ghosted me and I was like okay bye um that's a blessing in disguise yeah truly (laughs) but I feel like that that points to so much of what you're saying like in you know in Southeast Asia so much of it is centered on like a western gaze of a war or poverty porn and like India it's like you either have slumdog millionaire or like boisterous Bollywood weddings and it's like there's no in between um and so to like have folks like you all, who Nick, who is like cr- critiquing all of this and yelling at us to do better always, which is amazing. With love. With love. <laughs> um, and then the three of you, like just existing and talking about your experiences and being like, this is what it's like to be, this is my experience of being Filipino or uh, Vietnamese, um, I think is so, it's like small, huge steps to upend that like, you're all poor and need help and saving. Um, but, what am I, I don't know how to segue. Um, that was good, that was good. Uh, but, um, so I wanted to open up to questions, so if anybody has any questions, yes, you. <laughs> Yay! going to suck, but it's going to be okay. Um, I mean, that's not really advice, because I, I went through a lot of really bad, like, um, and then there's, like, whole, like, mental health, like, tied to, like, um, depression and, like, a lot of other stuff that I would need content warnings for, um, but the, um, I guess my general advice is that, like, I was not living my best life, because I always thought I had to be, I had there's like pressure to be perfect in a specific way that um, that I was the happiest when I wasn't trying to fit someone else's ideal. So, and I in that I'm still working on that, but that's part of what um, it's 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 a work in progress. But I think definitely when I was much younger, I was very I was always like I'm never going to be good enough, and I was always trying to be. But whose definition of goodness was 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 what I was working with? So. Do your best, live your best life. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> Other questions? I'm coming down here to give you questions. Like I'm an Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Look under your seat. We have a microphone. Oh, right there, right in front. Do you want, you don't have to. like too much power. No, not enough. Hello? She's not Slytherin, so she's not used to power. Hello? <laughs> Hey. Yeah. Hey. Awesome. Um, so as someone who was adopted uh, from Shanghai as a baby and mm. grew up in a white family in Maine, like my whole life, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, my whole life I definitely felt like, like kind of like within and without, like just so like on the outside of everything and like not belonging to like either or. Um, so I guess my question is like for you guys, like how do you find validity like through your day like you have like a racist encounter or like you see something and it's just like upsetting or you don't feel 
enough, you know, like what do you do just like in the day to day to, you know, ground yourself and feel whole? Well, I have found through therapy <laughs> <laughs> to take, to slow down if anything happens that's negative from the external world, to slow down and just like focus on your breath, like focus back onto being here, present now. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, like no matter what happens externally, you're okay, you know. And I think with that practice, it's just like being in, in integrity with yourself, moment to moment, and 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 yeah, getting like centered again. Because who you are is enough. Like who you are right now is safe and is loved, and yeah, just like kind of slowing down. This is a little bit of therapy. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that's good. <laughs> I actually you know, that. A adding my uh, my second part of therapy is I have to talk to people because I if I I'm really strong introvert and I'll go into a deep dark hole and I if anyone follows Outreach. Chantel. Oh yeah. Uh, we do at least one to two weekly phone calls with our mate yeah. Celia. So the three of us will FaceTime even though Chantel lives 15 minutes from me. We have to include <laughs> We have like we have a, a third one in New York. We have like a weekly weekly call check in. Yeah, it's because I think yeah, yeah. having sisters Sis or the, the sisterhood thing has helped. Um, and then I'll go get boba. <laughs> it's a running no, no, joke, it's a, but it's not. It's, no, it's not a. It's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's really good that we're talking about supporting um, other cultures, and I have been on the web a lot, so I go to YouTube, and I was wondering what you guys thought about the LGBT uh, material coming out of there, like rich, the rich man's daughter, um, or, um, is that a oh, yeah, that's Ryan, Ryan Ramos's movie, a uh, show, right? Right. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you guys know about that one? She's yeah. in my film, so I know about oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of LA PFF. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, Rich Man's Daughter is very telenovela. I've only seen an episode or two. How is that? That's on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Cool. Wow. So, yeah. So it's a, a media recommendation called Rich Man's Daughter on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, content. Hi, uh, I'm Ellen. I'm a Taiwanese, born in Colorado. Um, just a reminder that all there's a half Taiwanese woman on the main stage right now that a yeah. thousand, thousand women are cheering for. So there is representation, and people don't even know it. Um, I went to a panel with that Justin Lin was on at the LA Asian Film Festival, and he was talking about how China doesn't care about Chinese American film or Asian American film. And I wanted you guys to talk about, like, what is it about the overseas Asian, Asian countries that don't care about us and making our content? Well, I mean, in, I think it's a cultural element to it as well, that the identity of being an Asian American is different than, like, mainland China or Vietnamese. Um, but I think studios and whatnot, they're trying to bridge that gap. Um, but I think it may be like a more cultural thing. And I 
respect that in some ways, and it's fine because for me as an Asian American, I'm, I, I feel that's a very separate identity, and those are, I'm championing, championing, championing different stories as well than, you know, the maybe. Going, when, when you're abroad, um, all of the content has Asians on it, so that's, uh, it's not saying that they don't care about um, the Western culture and all that, it's just that we, they don't have need it. We don't, they don't necessarily yeah. need it. So when they have Matt Damon playing a Chinese person, to them it's just a different great story. Like, yeah, the great <laughs> he saved us. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I, f I feel it's just, just different cultures, and coming from someone who has been raised in that culture, I would just want to bridge the gap. I don't necessarily want to replace it. I just want to bring it together. So it's very nice have both of that, but I understand where they're coming from, because in the Philippines, their industry is so large, they don't need any of this, but I, I want to reach out to everyone, you know, Filipinos living in America and in France and in Canada, they're not getting the content from back home, so I feel that that's what, you know, it's a good thing Justin's doing. I know in Bollywood, um, I know in Bollywood recently um, they we had a movie called Ek Ladki Do Ho, I think, um, and it featured it was like the first Bollywood movie that had like a lesbian storyline in it. Um, it was a little bit problematic, um, classic, uh, but <laughs> it it was cool to see. I mean, like along that lines of like when you look at Asian country cinema, where you're not really seeing a lot of Asian American kind of storylines but you're also starting to see a little bit of emergence of like queerness, which I think is really, really interesting. And also I feel like it's definitely an influence of us in the Western world being like, we're queer, we're here, get fucking used to it. And we <laughs> are from a continent of literally billions of people. So of course there are queer people here. Statistically, getting that math in, there are people. <laughs> um, and I think that's really cool, like to, to see like these huge bastions of like cinema in China and India um, starting to embrace different storylines, however slow it may be, I think is really validating, uh, personally speaking for me, to see like my mother country celebrating queerness in a way. So it doesn't feel like my queerness and my Asianness are mutually exclusive. It feels like they exist at the same time. The Philippines is slowly celebrating it with the show that you were mentioning, Rich Man's Daughter, but also there's a lot of queer Bakabuka Sam's film, and she also has another film called Billy. Um, thank you, um, which should be in LA soon. But yeah, it's really nice to see it. I do know that in China, the they still recut films, foreign films that have um, LGBTQ in it. I, I'm very curious to watch the Bohemian Rhapsody cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I mean I don't like the film, but wow, how do you recut that? <laughs> um, so we have time for one last question. Okay. Um, so you guys were talking about queer person of color rep and media and stuff, and I was just wondering, if have, have you ever heard or seen the trouble? And if you have, um, how do you feel about the queer Asian rep in the show and how they're doing with Asian Sherry? Mm-hmm, Sherry, sure. Sherry, sure. I've seen the first episode. Um, but I'm excited for Sherry Cola and the fact that there's um, 
Asian American, queer Asian American storyline with, uh, and the romance is with another uh, Asian American. And so that's very interesting because we don't often get to see that in terms of like, if there's um, relationship, it's often interracial, it's often interracial with another white person. So I'm excited to see how that's going to be explored in the storyline and I can't speak to, since I've only seen one episode. But I like, I like the first episode and, and that it exists and I'm excited that it exists. I'll watch it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But uh, I love her as an actress, and yeah, I love yes. her as like a yeah. human being. She's a great person. She's awesome. A friend of the Gaijin Project is actually writing on that show, wrote wow. on that show, um, Lauren Moon. Yay! Um, and she is a queer Asian that's in the room, and I, that speaks a lot to having like our voices telling our stories. Um, but thank you all for coming out for this. Uh, we had a blast. Thank you. And thank you to the panelists. Um, yeah. I don't. Ri if you want to buy you pins, I have pins with me. I have shirts. Yeah. Buy some stuff. Support the Gaijin Project. All of the stuff that you buy just goes directly back into letting us do. Can we just cool do a, like gr a group picture with like Asian tourists? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it gonna work? Um, also, my books are for sale, booth 't that so much fun I had so much fun did you have so much fun the only answer you can give me is that you had so much fun cool thank you uh, if you want to keep up on what all the cool things that these panelists are doing you can find them all on Instagram and Twitter um, some cool things to shout out though is that you can find Chantal on the CW's Black Lightning the first two seasons are streaming on Netflix right now uh, catch her kicking ass as Grace Choi uh, a queer Asian superhero I know super dope uh, she's also going to be on Broadway soon I know the great white way I will stop myself from singing anything from Smash, but I'm super excited about that. Uh, and as for Andrea Walter, dude, some cool, super cool shit that she has coming up. Uh, her film, Empty by Design, is going to be premiering on the closing night of the Los Angeles Asian Film Festival. Uh, so go grab tickets. It premiered, The date for that is May 10th. And there's some dope people that were involved with this project. And it's going to be really cool. Support Asian artists. Support queer Asian artists. Go to this movie. Um, CB Lee is still always doing the coolest stuff. Uh, she has her Not Your Sidekick series, which you can find wherever books are sold, featuring a queer Asian superhero. Another one. I know. If there was a brand for this podcast, it would be all about hyping up queer Asian superheroes. Um, but you can find uh, the adventures of those shenanigans. Is that redundant? You can find all those shenanigans uh, in her Not Your Sidekick series books, which are a ton of fun. Um, can catch her episode of the Gaijin podcast. And 
You can see her writing for the Ben 10 graphic novels right now. Um, as for Nick Espinoza, I know that they're doing a ton of cool stuff at the University of Las Vegas, uh, centering around fandom and fan culture and representation. Um, they are about to start a Asian American podcast, hopefully soon, in conjunction with UNLV. So stay tuned. Uh, we will absolutely be shouting that out as soon as it goes live. Uh, but we couldn't be happier and more excited for all of the critical thinking and work that Nick is doing surrounding um, all the things that we love in media uh, and, and pushing us to be better always. Uh, as for the Gaijin Project, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, we are at the Gaijin Project. On Twitter, we are at Gaijin Project. Uh, and you can follow us, stay up to date with all the cool things that we have coming up, check out new merch that we'll be having, uh, launching, and you can figure out ways to uh, get involved with us because we love to hear from all of you. Um, what new episodes we should do, uh, any projects, people that we should be shouting out. We're always looking for ways to continue to support and uplift our community. Um, well, I think that's about it for us. Uh, again, everybody's Instagram handles and social media tags will be in the show notes. Um, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Gaijin Podcast. Bye! Bye!